Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Okay, so we've talked about what the best news ever is. We've talked about why we share it. We've given some wisdom on how to share it. Today I want to talk about the conversation. Like what's some, what's some phrases you can say? What's some strategies you can use to help you in the conversation? Colossians uh, chapter 4 verse 5 says, Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation not put them down, not cut them out. Now, how does that conversation go? I think there's a, several different fears as we go to have a conversation about our faith. And I think the one we hear about the most is the fear of rejection. Well, what if they just reject me? But I don't think that's the primary fear because honestly, I don't know many Christians that are afraid of rejection. Like if we get rejected, just more in common with Jesus Christ. It's really the fear of the unknown that scares us. Because, you know, I've been neighbors with this person for a while, and I'm going to keep being neighbors with them. And after this conversation goes down, what's going to happen in our relationship? Or this person's been cutting my hair for a while, or we've been business partners for a while. And what's going to happen after we have this conversation? It's the fear of the unknown of what it's going to do to the relationship. I think another fear, and this is one I've heard from, from some of you, is that you'll say, Ryland, you don't want me going and telling anything because I'll mess it up. Like, I'll, I'll say so, I'll do it wrong, and I'll end up saying something that, that pushes them farther from God and, and keeps them away and messes it up for them for eternity. You're not that important, Okay. Like, you're important, it's important you go and tell, you're not that important, okay? If you don't say the right thing, it's not that big of a deal, okay? God is in control, God is in control. And we put so much pressure on ourselves when we go to share our faith, and we forget what our responsibility is, what our real responsibility is. What is our responsibility? I love the way Bill Bright said this. He said, a successful witness is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leaving the results to God. Now, I'm going to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and the results are up to God. So the response is up to the individual and the result is up to God. He's the only one with the power to save. Now, this is why we don't do um, what I would call high-pressured salvation moments at Rockbrook in our weekend services. It doesn't come down to a high-pressured moment where I try to manipulate you or talk you into believing this. Now, it's going to be clear. It's going to be strong. Okay, don't don't get me wrong. We're going to preach it very clearly that there is absolute truth. And there's one way to God. There's not multiple ways to God. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Okay, he's the way, the truth, and the life. But it's not going to come down to a high-pressured moment where I try to manipulate you or talk you into it. Same thing in Rockbrook for kids. With your kids, our goal is not to 
talk them into believing or have a high-pressured moment where they receive Christ to please someone. Because if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. If I could talk you into believing, someone else could talk you out of it. God is the only one who has the power to save, to bring someone from the domain of darkness into the power of of the glorious light of his son. He's the only one that can transform a heart, who can open blinded eyes. And my responsibility, your responsibility is to go and tell, their responsibility is to respond, and God's responsibility is to save. I want to show you a visual today. Uh, it's just an illustration, just a visual that really helped me and kind of freed me and empowered me in sharing my faith. Because I used to think I was very, like, I was a failure in sharing my faith. Because, guys, it's one thing to get up here on a Sunday morning and do it here. It's another thing to do it in a conversation on Monday. So, like, here, it's a no-brainer. Like, if I don't boldly declare the gospel here, I'm no longer your pastor, You wouldn't, like, this is a no-brainer. Like, that's what we do in church. But I can be so bold on Sunday morning and fold on Monday. And I just used to think I was such a failure uh, at this, but this visual freed me and empowered me to share my faith. And this is how it looks like in your notes. It's just a line with a cross in the middle. I want you to think of that line as a timeline in someone's life. And, and add some things around this. I'm going to have you fill in several things around this. And one of them is add salvation to that cross underneath there. That, that someone walks across that salvation line. They look upon the cross and they believe in Jesus Christ. What, what he did, who he claimed to be, that he died on the cross because of our sins, that he rose again from the dead. But add this, uh, add this too, that someone doesn't start there. We start far from God. We start far from God. Let's say all the way to the left to someone who's far from God. And maybe they don't know much about God. Maybe they've rejected him. Maybe their sin has blinded them to the truth of God. They're far from the cross. But there's also a place on the right because after you cross the line of salvation, that's not the finish line. Okay, Jesus called it being born again. It's like starting a new life. And there's purposes and a plan and for you to become like Christ. And so let's say all the way to the other side is fulfilling God's purposes. And let's add one more element to this because these three things don't happen overnight. We don't grow automatically. We grow in steps. We grow in steps. So add these positive and negative numbers uh, just to simply illustrate that. Because we all want the salvation conversation. We all want the conversation that walks someone across the line of salvation. And we should want that. It should be a goal. But maybe you're gauging your success on the wrong thing. Or maybe you've even given up on sharing your faith because you've forgotten there's a lot more to it. People are probably going to need need to be challenged and encouraged several times before they give their life to Christ. Okay, but Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God makes all things grow. And so our responsibility is to share our faith, to have the gospel conversation. Their responsibility is to respond and God's responsibility is to save. Our responsibility is just to have the conversation. And I, the reason I wasn't very successful in my gospel conversations is I was trying to take someone in one conversation all 10 steps. 
or at least five steps. I wanted to move them from far from God to salvation. Rarely happens that way. I mean, just think about how many conversations or challenges or encouragement or different ways you had to hear things or different things to move you across that salvation line. And so what's a gospel conversation? A gospel conversation is anytime you encourage someone to take one step from where they are to where God wants them to be. A gospel conversation is anytime you take, you encourage someone to take one step from where they are to where God wants them to be. And hopefully that just relieves a little bit of pressure that you're not a failure. And our role is really just to kind of discern maybe where they are on that timeline and encourage them to take one step and share our faith in such a way that it encourages them to take one step. So how do you have the conversation? What do we say? Well, I want to give you three primary ways, three different ways that you could have a gospel conversation and share your faith. Now, here's what this is not. I'm not giving you tips today on how to grab a bullhorn and stand on a street corner and shout and spray and spew your faith on just all the walker buyers, okay? That's not what this is. This is also not only for extroverts. So that's one thing is whenever I talk about sharing my faith, people will be like, well, I'm an introvert. Well, I ran some of this stuff by people who tell me they're introverts and say, would you do this? And, and it helped me kind of tweak a few things and, and work this in. That this, these are tools for that conversation. And this is for anybody. These will work. So get your pen out, take notes. I'm going to give you lots of strategies, phrases, lines, and different things you're going to want to write down. But the first, uh, first thing you do is share the hope we have. Share the hope we have. People are dying for hope. Share your hope. Tell people, I made a decision to follow Christ. Let me tell you why I made this decision. Look at this, look at this verse with me. It says, but in your hearts, that's where it begins, revere Christ as Lord. So you can't share anything until he's done something in, in your heart, that you've made him number one in your life. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? For the hope that you have. So when you do it, don't worry about winning an argument. Win people's hearts. It says do this with gentleness and respect. We've talked about earning people's respect. And, and don't share the gospel until you've added value to their lives, until you've served them in some way. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. They'll say, I, I wish I'd never made fun of you. I wish I'd never made fun of you in the first place. And a lot of you would say that. You say, I used to make fun of Christians. I used to mock them. And you're ashamed that you, that you ever did that. There isn't anything better in Christianity than sharing your hope, than sharing your hope with someone, to share your story with someone. So you have a hope, you have a story, and it's powerful. Now there's three elements to sharing your story. When you go to share your story with someone, I'll just give you an outline of how you can craft your story. Number one, start with how you realized you needed Christ. Share that part of your story. Share the part where you realized you didn't need a system, you, didn't, you needed a savior, you needed someone who was strong enough to save. And maybe that happened when you were in a bad place in life. Maybe it was a slow awakening. Maybe it happened very quickly for you. Maybe it happened when you were a child. And that's a great because then you have lifelong examples of 
situations in your life where you needed Christ. Next, share how I committed my life to Christ. So before you point out what anyone should do, tell them what you did. Set the example. Before you show them what they should do, show them what you did. And then finally, share the difference it's made in your life. The difference it's made in your life. This is the hope part. Share it in such a way that they're hungry for it. I taught you that last week. But tell them your story. This is a three-point outline to share your story. Now, I would encourage you to get your story, your testimony, down to two minutes and be prepared to share it. Like, do you, have you ever crafted your story or, like, articulated your story in two minutes that if I were to come up to you after church today and say, hey, tell me your story, would you be, as Peter says, prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have? And maybe in small group this semester, uh, you guys want to take a couple of your, of your nights and just use that group time to craft your story. And then maybe practice sharing it with one another. And they can even help you craft it. And they can even say, oh, that's really good there. You know, that part's a little creepy. Let's not spend so long on that part. And, uh, and they can help you, like, do it to where you can naturally bring it up. So it's not awkward. You don't have to pull out a whiteboard and a whole thing. Like, you could have a conversation and share your story and the hope that you have across the fence or at a lunch break. And you're prepared and ready to do that in a natural way, in an effective way. All right, here, you, you heard a couple weeks ago Pastor Kelly share his testimony, his story. And he did these three things. And he's gotten really good at, he's got different versions of his story. So not like different stories, but he's adapted it. Like he's got a two-minute version. He's got a weekend service version. He's got like, he can adapt it to the audience or the person that he's talking with and make it more effective in that area. So that's how you can do that. Number two, another great way to share your faith is to share my church. And I intentionally wrote it that way so you'd write down, not Ryland's church, but my church, okay? We've designed parts of our church for people who are far from God. We share this in our membership class. We work very hard to provide things for your kids and your students and you. 21 years ago when we started Rockbrook, we wanted to create a church that reached people who thought they would never go to church. And I would say it worked because you're sitting around people who would tell you, I'm one of those people who said I would never go to church, never dreamt I'd go to church. And not only are you here, you've gotten saved and baptized and you're walking with the Lord and you're taking next steps and following Jesus. So we made a decision that we would create weekend services that believers loved and lost people enjoyed coming and seeing. Okay, that they, they enjoyed coming and seeing it. A place where lost people could come and we'd make them feel welcome and we'd serve them. We'd add value to their life. We'd answer questions about life, about marriage and parenting and finances and different things. And, and we'd also not shy away from tough questions about God. Like real questions they have about God and the Bible and Christianity and about religion. And we'd never waver from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we try to make people very comfortable. So they'll drop their guard and we tell them, you know, we, we, we don't want your money because we don't. Like that's for people who've made Rockbrook their home. They've given their life to Christ and 
And they've made a commitment to give and follow the spiritual principles of that. And if you're a guest here today, we don't, we don't want you. We don't expect you to do that. You can just come and see. This is a safe place for you to come and see. Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the country, Jesus talking, and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. He wants his house full because the need is so great. So how do you share your church? How do you invite someone to church? Well, the first step is you pray for them. Pray for them. And that's what next week's message is going to be on. It's going to, I'm calling it praying like it matters. Praying like it matters. Uh, because when you share your faith, there's more going on than you just giving a good sales pitch. God, God's going to have to stir their heart for it. You know, if God, if God were to fill out a communication card today and write down his prayer requests, you know what number one, his number one prayer request would be? The lost. The lost. So we're going to pray what God requests that we pray for. I'll teach you how to do that. Don't miss next week. We can't do this whole series without talking, without talking about that, praying like it matters. Next, show them I care. Show them I care. So before you invite them, show them that you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay, now maybe you've been saved for a while and you've forgotten this, but People who don't go to church and people who are lost, when they have a problem come up in their life, they don't even, like the church never even crosses their mind. They don't think the church could help me, Christians could help me, God's word could help me with this. That never even crosses their mind. You have to show them, I care about you, like your life. I care about your life. And they want to know, can I trust you? And if you gain people's trust, you gain their hearts, and then they'll take a journey with you if they can trust you. So after you pray for them, after you show them that you care, then invite them to join you at a service. Invite them to join me at a service. So when you invite them, don't just say, yeah, we're that church in the warehouse, kind of by Hy-Vee and the kennel and back towards the water tower, and we got five services, good luck. No, like, here's our five services. Um, which one do you want to go to? I'll go to that one with you. Or here's the one I go to so I can look out for you and save you a seat because people are going to be far more comfortable if they know someone already. They can show them the ropes and show them where to park and where to check kids in and all those kinds of different things. So we put a, uh, an invite in your worship guide this weekend. Um, this isn't to invite you. You're already here. That's for a tool for you to give to somebody else. And we got a couple different versions of that, um, so whichever one you like best. Um, but we've got more of those at the info table, so you can take whichever one you like and take the ones that you need and use that as a tool to invite someone to your church. Now, here's what's coming up at Rockbrook so you know when to invite people. Because people often ask me, what's going to be a great weekend to invite someone to church? Well, we try to make every weekend a pretty good weekend, but I will make a commitment to you that the next 90 days, so we've got, we've got one more week of go and tell and after that any weekend for the next 90 days would be an ideal weekend to bring a lost person with you to church uh, we're going to have a couple messages that are just good strong rockbrook messages and then after labor day weekend we're going to start a series that tackles the obstacles to belief we're going to talk about the major obstacles to belief in our culture and the major questions that people are asking like how how do you as a believer is a Christian, like how are you so sure God exists? 
And we're going to talk about, is God real? And people want to know, how, how do you reconcile, like, the resurrection? Like, you've built this whole thing on the resurrection. How are you so sure that happened? And we'll talk about why we believe the resurrection really happened. And people want to know, you know, it seems like God is angry at times in Scripture, but you're saying, for God so loved the world, how do you reconcile that? And we'll talk about that. And people want to know, how can you really be like, how is it to you that the flood, Noah and the flood, is not far-fetched to you? They'll say, I don't get it. And so we'll talk about, we'll talk about that, why we really believe that that happened. And several different things that we'll talk about. So any one of those weekends will be a great weekend uh, to bring someone to church with you. And I uh, invite you to take advantage of that in, in the next 90 days, the next season of our church here. Now, I, I want to talk to the Rockbrook members just for a second. So if you're not a member, whew, don't have to do any of this, okay? You can check out for a second. But if you're a Rockbrook member, I want, I want to just encourage you again, just in the next, next 90 days, to do a few things to make lost people feel welcome. And one of them is park far away. Not like at the movie theater, but just like farther away in our parking lots to give the best spots for people who are coming in for the first time. And another thing I'd encourage you uh, to do is not sit in the back rows. Like if you're a Rockbrook member, that's where lost people want to sit. They come in, they don't know what's going to happen. They're kind of nervous about what's going to happen. They just want to sit and observe. Or maybe they're coming in late with their kid and they don't want to have to walk all the way down to the front. So if you're a member, leave those back rows open for lost people. And another thing, a third thing I'd ask you to do is Rockbrook members, right as soon as the service ends, find someone you don't know and introduce yourself to them. I talked to a couple in our church recently who I just can't imagine Rockbrook without them. And I said, what made this stick? Why did you keep coming back? And they told me that they came to Rockbrook one weekend. They came back the next weekend and the greeter remembered their name. That was it for them. I'm like, it wasn't the music. It wasn't the sermon. It was that someone remembered their name. Can you remember someone's name? If you care about lost people, we've got lost people in our services. Can you give them the seat they want? Can you give them the parking spot that you want? Can you welcome them into our church and invite them to join you at a service? Okay, there's one more, one more primary way. You can share the hope that you have, your story, invite them to church. I want to equip you to share Christ with them. Number three, share Christ. So let me teach you just even what to say and some scriptures to say in, in leading someone to Christ. We've made this too hard. If you know John 3.16, you can lead someone to Christ. Okay? You can say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you want to be a whoever? A whoever who believes in Jesus Christ. Because if you believe that happened, you don't have to perish. You don't have to go to hell. You can have eternal life with Christ Jesus in heaven. Any person, even if they call themselves an atheist, they're on a spiritual journey where they're trying to connect to God. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. And everybody's on this journey to look for a connection back to their creator, their heavenly father. Tell them God loves you. And you know what? The reason your life is so messed up right now is because the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That doesn't mean perfect days. 
Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you stop having problems. Anyone else notice that? <laughs> I'll tell you what it does mean. It does mean life to the full. It means fulfillment. It means something bigger than your problems to live for. And most people are just living a, they're living life in like this giant version of whack-a-mole. It's like problem comes up, got to solve that problem. Problem comes up, got to solve that problem. Problem comes up, so, and they're living for their problems. And God offers you life to the full, something bigger than your problems to live for so that those problems just become mere distractions. And you might say, Rylan, that, that sounds nice, but whatever I'm, for whatever reason, when I'm in those conversations, people don't want that. And someone might even say, well, I don't think I want that. And you tell them, well, if you ever think you do, God's love never changes. You may say, I don't, I don't want to go to church. Well, if you ever think you do, it's a great way to end a conversation. You ought to write that down. If you ever think you do, the invite still stands. If you ever think you want that, God's love never changes. Now, maybe you say, well, when I share the good news, it just doesn't seem very effective. I want to help you with that. I want to give you three simple ways to explain the gospel. And, and I give you these. There are so many different ways you can do this, illustrations you can use and different things you can do. I'm giving you these three ways today just because as I share my faith with people in this area, I rarely meet someone who's never heard the name of Jesus or doesn't have some type of understanding of the gospel. What I find the need is, is that there's a misunderstanding of the gospel. Maybe they've never really understood it to begin with. And here's some ways to help people understand the gospel. The first one is, a lot of people make spiritual life all about do. Do this, don't do that, join that, get on this path, adopt these spiritual disciplines, check these boxes, and try to measure up to God. And you just tell them, what I've learned about Jesus is with Jesus, it's all about what he's already done. What, he, what has Jesus done? He lived a perfect life. I could never live. I couldn't do that. He's already done that. I don't have to try and do that. He's already done that. He died in my place on the cross because of my sin. I don't have to face the punishment of my sin. He's already done that. He rose from the dead and gives eternal life for all who believe. I don't have to figure out a way to have eternal life. He's already figured that out. He's done that. And you're making it all about do. I'm trying to tell you it's already done. It's finished. That's why he said it's finished. It's done. And you tell him moving from do to done has been the game changer in my life. And it's no longer about what I do to be acceptable to God. It's about what Jesus has already done to make me acceptable. And you can just share with them Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Another good way is because someone's going to tell you, well, I think I'm a good person. Or someone may tell you, you don't know what I've done. I can never make up for what I've done. I'm a bad person. We all think we're good or bad people, but sin isn't about being a good person or a bad person. It's about being alive or dead. 
and say, can I just tell you, without Jesus, I was spiritually dead, and Christ came to give me spiritual life. And you can show them in Scripture where it says, for the wages of sin is death. And you can tell them, you think the wages of sin is being bad. You think it's all that we're bad. It's far worse off than you ever dreamt. (laughs) It's far worse than you ever thought. Wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. This verse does not say the wages of sin is that you're a bad, immoral person and the gift of God is a way to be good enough. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this one is my favorite because it parallels with my story. So I can share my story and also share this strategy to explain the gospel at the same time. Because my story is I grew up in the church and I grew up in different churches. And I learned pretty early on that there's two types of Christians. There's ones who it's all about trying to be good enough. And they think I was bad before and I need to be good and they would become very grumpy because it's all about trying to get other people to be good enough and to do these things and not do these things and check these boxes and stop doing these things. But there was another type of Christian who was just so joyful, and I would think, man, when I'm old like that, I want to have a smile like that. And why? It's because they knew they were alive in Christ. They knew that they were dead without him. And the good news is that they were alive in Christ and they carried a hope and a life and a light with them that was so attractive to me that I wanted that. I wanted to think about the gospel that way. I wanted to think biblically about the gospel, that the wages of sin is death, but now I've got a free gift of eternal life from Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what I wanted. And so I'll just tell them that story and and tell them that that that's what I wanted and that's what Jesus offers and that's what he has given me. There's another angle because a lot of people will tell you that, so as I tell you this, you're going to start hearing these things all the time now. Because there's people who are going to tell you, well, I, I went to wherever, or I was raised a certain way, or this happened to me, or I went to Catholic school, or I went to Christian school, or one phrase they'll say is they'll say, I did that. I did that. And you can just tell them, it, it sounds like you're talking about a system And I'm trying to tell you about a savior. It sounds like you keep bringing this conversation back to a system. And I'm not talking about a system. I'm not talking about a program. I'm talking about that I needed someone who was strong enough to save. I didn't need another system. I needed someone with the power to save. I needed a savior. And Romans 10, 9 through 10 is a great passage uh, to bring up in that conversation to to show that. If I may, I just want to drop a couple of practical things in as we close. Three things just to remember as you're having that conversation. The first one is as you're having that evangelistic conversation, there's three people in that conversation. There's you, there's the lost person, and there's a third person, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And you may just have a few minutes on a lunch break to share your story or to invite them to church. But guess what? The Holy Spirit was talking to them before that lunch break, and the Holy Spirit was empowering you during that lunch break, and the Holy Spirit will continue to talk to them long after you walk away. 
And you might say, well, the Holy Spirit isn't doing a very good job because they're just not getting it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit does an amazing job. He's amazing at what he does. And you don't know what's going on under the surface of their life. And you don't know exactly how the seeds you're planting are going to be involved in the story God is crafting in their life. Another thing you need to just remember and be be prepared for is that after you share your story and share with them the good news, that person's probably not going to say, oh, I've been waiting for someone to share a story like that. Oh, I've been waiting for someone to explain the gospel that way. Where do I sign? How do I get in? What do I pray? I want in on it. It's probably not going to happen. Praise God if it does. But what I have found more often than not is I'll share my faith or invite someone to church or share my story and they'll come back with a really weird question. One that I could have in no way been prepared for. I mean, I could just go down a list of strange questions I've heard about this documentary they just watched on History Channel, or they'll bring up this other religion that I was talking about Christianity the whole time, and then they ask me about this religion. I don't know anything about that. Or just strange, strange questions about Jesus and about God and about things. And I have found a lot of freedom in simply reversing the question. Reverse the question. And I'll say, how do you explain the universe? How do you explain the longing everyone seems to have in their life for, to connect to a higher power? How do you manage the low points in your life? A great question to ask is, Is getting that question answered really the thing that's keeping you from making a decision about who Jesus is? Is that the thing that's really keeping you from making a decision about who Jesus claimed to be? And then just leave it at that. Just bring it back to the good news that you're trying to share and reverse the question. And if it means letting the question hang there, that's fine. Just ask him, is, is that the thing? Is that the most pressing need in your life? <laughs> is that the thing that if that got answered, you'd be able to make a decision about Jesus? And just bring it back to Christ and reverse the question. Nobody can answer every question. Nobody can answer every question. You don't have to answer every question about every political topic and other religion and all that stuff. And when someone comes back with a strange question or the conversation's ending strangely, Just reverse the question. There is one person who could answer every question. His name was Jesus. And what's fascinating is is I read through the Gospels and how Jesus had a conversation with lost people. He knew all the answers and he would generally even reverse the question. Why? Because it's a good strategy. It works. It's helpful. It's helpful. One more thing to remember, that's simply just this word, brokenness. Remember your brokenness. Brokenness is the biggest open door in sharing your faith. And when life is great, we give thanks to God, but it's the low points that we have a great opportunity to give an answer for the hope that we have. And when you share your story of out of grief or brokenness, God has given you hope. You will rarely lack a listener. 
This is the message of hope people are dying to know. When you say, you look like you're in a hard place. Can I tell you about when I was in a hard place? You, you, you look like you're drinking too much. Can I tell you when I was, about when I was drinking too much? You look like you're dealing with grief and, and loss and pain in your life. Can I tell you about when I was dealing with grief and loss in my life? You look like you're in a really hard place right now. Can I tell you about when I was in a really hard place, how Jesus became very real to me? And remember your brokenness. It's the greatest open door to sharing your faith. Would you, would you please pull out that ping pong ball we gave you at the door? Just hold that in your hand. So this, this ping pong ball represents a lost person that you're going to have a conversation with. What we've done is we've come up with just a fun way to track this. Maybe you saw this on your way in in the lobby, but you saw this go and tell wall. We want to see how many gospel conversations we can have in the next 90 days. So what we're doing is, is as you have a gospel conversation, and I'm, I'm considering that to be pretty broad. So if you just invited someone to church, you gave someone an invite card, you shared your story with them, you opened up to them about your brokenness, uh, you explained the gospel to them in any way. As you have those conversations, I'm just bold enough to tell them you're a Jesus follower and have that conversation. Take that ball or take a ball, a ping pong ball, and write the initials or the name of the person that you had the conversation with and drop it in the go and tell wall. Now, may, maybe that person gave their life to Christ. Praise God if they did. But even if they didn't, what we're going to track and what we're going to be motivated to do is our role, our responsibility, and that's to go and tell. So however that conversation went down, if you went and you told and you did any of this, you shared, you invited, you explained anything, take one of those ping pong balls and drop it in there and encourage the rest of your church. As they come in and say that, see that, it'll be, okay, they did that, I can do this. And it's going to be a reminder to do that in the next season of our church and a reminder to pray for the lost people in your life. Maybe you've already had a conversation as a result of this series. Uh, go ahead and, and drop a ping pong ball in there after you put their name on it. We've already had several people do that. But how many people, how many people can you have a gospel conversation with in the next 90 days? So we were, we were going to set the goal to see how many gospel conversations Rockbrook could have, we've decided to let you set your goal because maybe you've never shared your faith before and you say, man, to do this once in the next 90 days would be a big goal. So your goal would be one. That's the floor. That's the minimum. Maybe you say, I could do this a few times. I could do this once a month for the next 90 days. Maybe you could do more than that. What's your goal? I would encourage you to think and prayerfully consider a goal and then write that number down on your outline. Maybe you haven't set a goal for your life in a long time. When's the last time you set a goal in your life? This would be a great thing to set a goal on. And let's see how many gospel conversations we can have in the next 90 days. And let's rely on the Holy Spirit together. All right, game on? All right, let's do it. I hope I equipped you today. I hope I helped you. Uh, I really did. I hope I gave you some tools you could use today. 
uh, to make that conversation not so fearful or not so unknown. Uh, Let's pray together. Oh God, I I do. I hope I encouraged and equipped your people today. We want to share our faith. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We just need the courage and the wisdom, the perspective, the discernment, the words. God, help us as we share the hope we have, as we craft our stories. Help us as we invite people to this place. We want them to experience God. We want them to know that we care. And God, help us as we share your son, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. God, help us to remember that we can rely on you. Help us to reverse the question, to ask good questions. And help us to be broken. We don't have it all together. We never have. We're believers because we need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.